Welcome to Improv Interviews with Margot Escott, a psychotherapist in Naples, Florida, who is using her 35 years of experience to develop improvisation programs, benefiting and improving the lives of those with emotional and physical challenges. Improv Interviews brings together the world's leading improvisational theater masters, founders, and innovators who are using improvisation therapeutically in unique and surprising ways. With great guests that include legends like Ed Asner and Aretha Sills, you're sure to learn something new about improvisation. This is Improv Interviews with your host, Margot Escott. Welcome, everybody. Today we have a wonderful guest that we are both going to get to know. Her name is Amy Gerlich, and I saw her on a uh, podcast with uh, Jay Suko, and I knew I wanted to have her on my show. So welcome, Amy. Hi, how are you, Margo? I'm terrific, and I'm so pleased that you're here with us today. I want to know everything about you. So, <laughs> and as I'm a psychotherapist, you know, we started early childhood, your traumas and all that. Um, <laughs> oh, probably right when I was born. Um, no. Uh, so you want to hear more or less my history of performing or improv? Uh, well, as much as we can fit in today, um, okay. I, I guess, you know, improv, um, the, the, uh, video I saw with you and Jay was a year ago, it over a year ago, it was in May, 2020, and we were already thick into the pandemic, but you had already been using internet as a tool for yeah. students. So tell me a little bit about your improv story and how you got into it. That would be great. I'll do a very short, brief version of it. Um, theater, went to college for theater, uh, was in at the University of New Hampshire. Um, their theater was kind of limiting. Wait a minute, I was at Franklin Pierce. Oh, funny. I wonder if we ever saw each other. Probably, you never know. <laughs> anyway, okay, please keep going. So uh, that was like musical theater, um, but I was, was more interested in kind of like just straight up theater and experimental theater. So I went to uh, a national program for college. So I went to Humboldt State University, which turned out to be one of the best uh, decisions I ever made. They had five stages. They let us be in pretty much anything we wanted to. So I got to kind of get a taste of all different types of theater. Um, really loved it, but all of the directors at a certain point kept telling me I was too funny for roles that, you know, because I love doing drama and I love doing these like, you know, Beckett plays and all this other stuff. And um, uh, so then I moved to New York for my last year of college. I got some scholarships and went to Marymount Manhattan College and uh, showed up there in 97 and um, finished my last year and then started doing working with Richard Foreman at the Ontological Hysteric Theater and um, doing all kinds of, I, I worked with Charles Bush on one of his original off-Broadway shows before he was doing his big time, you know, Broadway shows. And then I went to a, a short form audition and started doing short form at the New York Comedy Club on Friday and Saturdays. And that started to feel a little stale because once you 
once you know the games and you know what makes people laugh, you tend to recycle those things that you do well, right? So had a few people kind of pop through there um, and told me that I should go to the UCB. So eventually, after years of saying, no, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm fine where I am uh, because I had a lot of anxiety around performing and change, I finally in 2001 went and took my first improv class at uh, the Upright Citizens Brigade. And my first level one teacher was Armando Diaz, who is, uh, well, if you get out of here, get out of here. <laughs> yeah. And those for the norms, uh, if you ever hear people saying they do the Armando, that's him. That's the guy. Um, and he did monologues because he was uh, had severe stage fright. So he didn't really perform. And that was why this whole form was kind of created around his own anxiety. Um, so yeah, I got really lucky. I was at the UCB in the early years. I was there for 19 years. I was a performer. Um, I was a director. I was a producer. I directed some of their first mod teams that they ever had, which was their sketch teams. Um, I coached Harold teams. Um, I coached their first all um, uh, black improv Harold team at the theater, which was a really cool experience. Um, they were astronomy club. They had a, a show on Netflix. Um, later on, they did really well. And um, then, uh, oh, and then I started teaching my own classes in New York. Started teaching independently. Um, so can, you, can you describe your oomph classes? Crumpf, yeah. Crumpf, yeah. Can you describe that a little bit more in detail? Yeah. So basically, I met. Um, the other members of Kronf, which are three other boys, uh, Ryan Carls, Neil Casey, and Joe Wanger, we met in level one with Armando in 2001. So we met, we fell in love, we started a group, we performed together as much as humanly possible until we started peeling off to LA. So uh, even then we would still do shows at the Del Close Marathon every year, we had a show called the uh, Kronf Breakfast, where we fed the entire audience and then we performed. So that got more and more elaborate over the years. We had a food truck. I, I was there. I got breakfast one morning or whatever. <laughs> I was oh. there. I got fed by you. Thank you, Amy, for that. <laughs> you saw me. I'm the only girl on the team, so you saw me for sure. Um, yeah, and did uh, Del Close's uh, Del Close Marathon's really fun. We started doing. So I think I was in 13 Del Close Marathons. Um, yeah, because we started, I think we started in 2002 as Kronf, doing Kronf Breakfast. And then I did other shows. I was on a team called uh, Wicked Fucking Queer, which was like me, Amy Poehler, Ari Voikides, Rob Corddry, Jason Oh Man my God. Oh, Wait a minute, keep going. But dropping names, Amy and Rob and who else? Uh, Jason Manzukis. Um, uh, Jackie Clark, Jessica, um, Beal, uh, Alan, um, gosh, there's so, and then there were so many other people we brought in and, you know, uh, TJ from TJ and Dave did it one year with us. Wow. Dominic, uh, came on board, Will Hines, Kevin Hines. Uh, yeah, we cycled through a bunch of people once, you know, the other people kind of offshoot and got too famous to do our little. 1 a.m. show on a Saturday. <laughs> um, but yeah, then I, um, so I started doing my uh, Kronf classes. 
And that's a direct pull from our form as Kronf the group. So we developed our own form um, with Armando Diaz, Owen Burke, Chris Gethard, and Ptolemy Slocum. So those were our our guys that our coaches and they helped us develop our form. And people really liked it. Um, I think it was less about less about the form and more about how we executed. We just we all, you know, at a certain point we like all lived together except for Ryan. Uh, but uh, you know, I I dated Ryan for a while, dated Neil for a while, you know. But like we were just family, we were friends, so we played like five year olds. And I think people really saw the joy and the playfulness and how we played, and they wanted to be taught that more as a philosophy. So uh, that's what my Kronk classes were about. They were about finding the game of the scene really quickly, learning how to kind of like uh, you know uh, extract as many ideas and details as possible playing tangentially playing straight premise game you know whatever it was um it was just fun i just brought joy back to a lot of new yorkers improv lives because ucb got very heavy at a certain point and very competitive and um you know it, uh, it got too big for its own good and there's a lot of people that got left behind so i was fortunate enough to have much older Adrians. I also had people with disabilities. I had a lot of the um, gay community, queer community, um, lots of women, you know. Uh, so I got a chance to work with the people who didn't feel uh, quite as included. And uh, that was awesome. So did that probably for about 12 years, maybe a little bit longer. And did you say 2001? Yes, that's when I started there. Yeah. What month in 2001? August. And then the following month, we had the devastation. We did. And I was actually at the first show back um, on September 11th. Uh, the first show back was David Cross doing ASCAT. And he. Oh, I love that. I love that so much. <laughs> it was so good because it's such a perfect person to have do those monologues because he's already so dark and depressed. But he really made people laugh and it was it was a tough time in New York for sure. Um, but I'm so glad that I found the UCB before that. I was going to shows there for a couple months prior before signing up, but um, but yeah, I was hooked. Once I once I was went to a few shows, I was just hooked and I was there all the time. I bet, uh, I bet how wonderful, how wonderful. Hey, at the DCM I went to, I got on stage once. They called out some people and I was from Florida, so they put me on stage and I just froze. I didn't know what to do. I just was like, and a friend of mine was there who actually studied there and he, he took a picture of me and I'm just like standing there with my mouth open. <laughs> But I got to say I was on the stage at the UCB. <laughs> yeah, sure, absolutely. Yeah, those were, those were amazing. Just those weird, like, early morning or late night shows where they were just, like, anything went, you know? Uh, that was a lot of fun. Um, and then basically long and short of it was I got kind of tired of being a New Yorker. It had been almost 20 years, and I was ready to move on. And I got a, um, a buyout from my apartment. The, the the lucrative buyout that everybody always talks about could be a possibility in New York happened to me. So um, my uh, boyfriend, now husband, uh, we moved into kind of a swanky 
duplex with a backyard in Manhattan uh, for a year, and that wasn't very sustainable, even doing Airbnb. So we decided to use the rest of that money and move to LA. And uh, I got uh, Nick Armstrong at the time was the AD at Westside. And he basically said, if you come out here, you'll have a teaching job at Westside. And that was really appealing to me, especially since they were they were really trying to turn their hobbyists into more um, dedicated improvisers. And they also wanted to introduce a little bit more of the game of the scene. So I was lucky enough to help them work on their like later levels. Can, can we just stop for a second, but get back to that. Um, yeah. uh, can you explain what the game of the scene is for people that might be new or maybe not even improvisers that hear the podcast? Sure. I mean, uh, without getting too heady about it, it's basically the thing that is unusual that you explore or the thing that is fun in the scene that you explore. Um, and then it's all about repeating it. So all comedy is repetition and recall, right? So call people love callbacks because it's something they've heard before. So now they're a part of it all, right? Um, that's basically what it is. The, the easiest way to describe game of the scene to everybody collectively is the peekaboo effect you know just the babies babies knowing that when you open up your hands they're going to see a funny face or a weird face or unusual face so that's all they know it uh you can play around with tempo right it doesn't have to be the same drop every time but they're always going to laugh and uh that anticipation that they have is what like gets them excited about what's about to come um so that's it. That's that's all. So it's like if you did something fun, funny, unusual in a scene, keep doing it. Don't change it. Keep it simple. Simpler is better. <laughs> you know, it's all about puzzle solving. Right. Um, I love that. Now, when you got, did you know Jay Suko before you got to West Side? I did not. I did not know him. I I knew a lot of Chicago guys that came through and women who came through from. Chicago to New York, it went through UCB, like uh, Joe Bill, Kevin Mullaney, um, all those guys I knew, but Jay was uh, fresh to me. But when I first got to Westside, they put together a teacher team and he was on it with me. So I got to know him really quickly. And, you know, I mean, he's just, he's just such a fun, sweet man. And uh, it was just a delight to play with him for the time that we're, our team was together. It was just so great. I just, uh, of course, I just love him. And um, my game has changed so much since I've been studying with him. I'm so lucky to have him because talk about yes and, and it's so easy to play with. Um, yeah. So brilliant and easy to play with. And he would get mad at me if I didn't say a lot of nice things about him today. So uh, I have to make sure. <laughs> And drop that in. <laughs> so, so who else was at Westside when you got there? Um, when I got there, I'm trying to think of. So this was before I uh, like a lot of the IO people came over to Westside. I'm trying to think if you would know anybody. Chris Alvarado. Do you know Chris Alvarado? Yeah. So Chris was also on our team. Um, Joey Greer. I'm not sure if you know who Joey Greer is. No. He's somebody that everybody should know. He's actually in my web series uh, with me, uh, Best Pickles in the World. If you want to check him out, he's okay. amazingly weird and absurd and just like super handsome. So it just doesn't work. Ooh. 
<laughs> oh, I'll friend him right away. Thanks for that. <laughs> yeah. Um, and Nick was the AD. And then, of course, all the West Side, the MI West Side guys, they were all from Chicago originally. So the Mission Improbable guys, um, Chris Gorbos, um, Lloyd Alquist, um, gosh, I mean, there's a million of them. So Sean Monahan. So they were all the owners. Um, and they actually had a team besides uh, Mission Improbable called The Grind. So I got to coach uh, The Grind for a long time, which was really fun to just coach the owners of the theater. A very intimidating, but uh, I eased into it pretty quickly. Um, and then, do you now know, were, Jill, were, uh, were Jeff and Jane there yet? Were they there? So Jeff and Jane have their own um, theater. Oh, The, the Fanatic, uh, yeah. An excellent, but they do stuff. So Jane and I, um, Jane and I and Jeff were all on Improv Famous. So Jeff would pop into Improv Famous. Uh, so would Jane, but I put Jane, I kind of fell in love with her almost immediately. And of course, I'm a huge Christopher Guest fan. So like, as soon as I saw her, I was like, um, but she was on a team with me called Women Aren't Funny. So I put together a team of females doing improv for longer than 20 years. So um, yeah, that was me, Jane Morris, uh, Celeste uh, Pichos, uh, Dana Powell, um, Amanda Blake Davis, Allie Davis. Uh, and then we would have random women come and join us from time to time. But that was kind of like the core group of us. <clears throat> Um, which was great. It was just awesome to play with all these like kind of famous female improvisers from Chicago that I had never met. And they just embraced me really quickly when I got out to LA. It was really, really special. Oh, that is so beautiful. Jane Morris is probably one of the most fantastic improvisers in the world now, I think, but I just love her and Jeff. He's yeah. just a sweetie. Yeah. I mean, they're both so talented and, and just Jane is just a brilliant person. And it's, it's cool to get to know these people like as people, as individuals, because they're just so they're so humble. The two of them are so humble. Um, it'd be fun to just see their kids come and watch them because their kids aren't performers, you know, or like they're not th to the extent that they are. Um, but yeah, did you watch their the movie that they were in the laundromat just recently with Meryl Streep. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Twice. <laughs> it was wonderful. Wasn't it Jane, great? Like, yeah. Well, they did. I don't know if you know this, but they did. Um, they were there to be improv consultants and then Jeff and then Jeff, they cast Jeff as that little role. And then they were like, well, we'll just cast Jane as the other his cohort. Um, but that was really cool. It's so cool that they're like, that they're consultants for like these big movies, you know, for when people want to do improv. It's like just, and they're just so humble. It's amazing. And we have similar cats. Both of our, we have almost identical twin cats. Oh, that's funny. That is really funny. Have you seen the film that was put out recently with them and Rick Hall, the film noir? Um, 
oh gosh, I'm forgetting the name, but I'll, I'll get back to it later. But they made, um, you know, an online version. Laura Hall did the music. Rick played this detective, which he's great at, of course. And Jeff and Carol were in it and uh, a lot of other people. So I'll, I'll try to remember it later and mention it, but it was great. And no, uh, it's still available, I think. Oh, cool. I could probably just text her and ask her too. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, cool um so i guess that's that's oh we're almost done so then i was there for about almost four years uh it was lovely um in that sense within the improv world i don't think i enjoyed los angeles as much as i thought i might I, i'm a big beachhead and the water's really cold so <laughs> yeah not like the gulf of mexico <laughs> not even like the east coast beaches so right. it, um although very beautiful they i missed the seasons i grew up in new hampshire so i i grew up with snow and skiing and all that stuff and um so yeah i just didn't like it and i didn't like how hot it was all the time i know people say like oh the weather's perfect here but i don't know for me it was just a little bit too too much um and it, you had to drive everywhere, which I love to walk. I love, I mean, as a New Yorker for 19 years, like I walked four miles a day in New York. I really missed it. Uh, I made it a habit of walking in LA too at a park by my house. But um, yeah, I was ready for a change again. And then the pandemic hit. So it was kind of all uh, the stars aligned. And I, like you said before, I had already been since 2014, I was coaching online in uh, improv teams. I was doing a, uh, with Terry Withers, um, I was his artistic director for eimprov.com. So we were doing a virtual theater in 2014. Um, we did that for about a year and a half. And then we brought it back during the pandemic for a short stint. But um, yeah, that was crazy. That was teams from around the world, all kinds of different teams. Um, and we ran it like a regular theater. Sometimes we had three shows a night. It was it was pretty crazy. We had international jams where we had people from all over the world playing at the same time with each other. Wow. Uh, it's pretty amazing. Um, so I was prepared, fully prepared for the pandemic. Uh, I had a lot of people asking me how to do it, and I was like, it's I was like, it's the same exact thing, you know. It's like I went through the whole process of like, what is this? How do I do this? to kind of playing around with it on Google Hangouts and having some kind of functionality with it. But bottom line was it, it's the same exact thing. I mean, yes, now being back in person and improvising with people, I know that there's a difference and because there's an energy that you just don't, you can't get from um, not having a, a live crowd and also just the energy of your partner physically being there, you know, but you can get pretty close. So I really enjoyed it. I really enjoyed working with groups from all over the world. Um, that was fun. I, I mean, I'm still to this day, I have a client that I work with every day. Like every single day we've been working for almost a year now. He's from Canada. Wow. It's pretty great. Um, so yeah, yeah I, was before, I love insinuating myself in a conversation. Self-referencing is always the way in, you know, I get people to really love me, but, um, <laughs> you know, living in Southwest Florida, there were, there were no real improv teachers around except for Sarasota, which is a couple hours away. And so years ago, well, several years ago, I started taking classes via Skype. Mm -hmm. 
And so this was such a great transition. It was kind of the same thing, but more of it. And uh, so you were a real pioneer. You were a virtual pioneer. We need to put you in one of those bonnets now, okay? <laughs> yeah, right. Send me out to live off the land. Uh, so, so why Denver? How did you pick Denver? Um, I kind of always had a... I had a certain kind of like love and intuitiveness about Denver. I, uh, I have family out here and we would come out here a lot as a kid. We would come out to ski and I just really loved it. It was kind of the combination of everything I loved because I'm, I'm such a New Hampshire girl. And like, if you've ever been to New Hampshire, it's very much like the landscape is very much like Scotland where it's like huge mountains, rolling hills, you know, uh, like the air smells fantastic you know you're so close to Maine you're so close to Vermont but then you're also pretty close to like Massachusetts and uh I'm just naming states now but the, it's just such a um lovely area to grow up in and I felt that same vibe here I felt it was almost like a bigger version obviously of New Hampshire but it does have um it does have a sense like Denver specifically it has, sorry, my husband keeps walking behind me. Uh, he's, he has to go to the DMV. Um, the, oh, for real? That's usually a, a scene. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 I feel bad. I'm oh, sorry. Go ahead. It's fine. We're doing audio right now. <laughs> um, but yeah, the, the, I just felt like it has, Denver, the city has a feeling of a smaller version of a city. So I was able to get the things I love from New York and LA um, as being like in Denver uh, instead of being like outside of Denver. Like I love Breckenridge or like Boulder, but like they, I feel like they feel more like ski towns mm -hmm. and like Denver feels like uh, a small kind of hip Brooklyn, you know, a Brooklyn adjacent kind of a vibe to it, especially where I live on South Broadway. It's very old town. Um, and then it's just a short drive to like, the mountains right. or right. a lake or, you know. Um, no, I love Denver, Larimer Square and um, great bookstores. And because I lived in Colorado Springs for a while and spent a lot of time in Denver. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, it's just a great environment. It's so cool. I mean, if you love bookstores, I'm on the same street as Mutiny. So Mutiny Bookstore is right on the end of my block. Um, and that's like one of the coolest. I. I into that for you know 15 years ago i think was the first time i went to mutiny bookstore and now i live on the same block and like know those guys it's very cool um but anyway so i taught workshops out here about four and a half years ago i taught a voodoo um uh two different workshops fell in love with fell in love with the improvisers thought they were super cool um had a great time performing um and then prior to that, I kind of called around all the comedy clubs, probably about 10, well, it's probably longer than that now, more like 12, like 12 years ago. Um, I think when I was starting to first feel that itch in New York of wanting to maybe get out. Um, and they didn't have a lot of long form going on here. It was mostly stand up. So I don't, I think I wasn't quite prepared to come and be like, hey, let's, let's figure out long form. You know, I, I was like, maybe I'll let someone else do that first and then come later. <laughs> um, so I waited. Uh, I just didn't think if I moved here, I would be satisfied with 
the short form and stand up, I, I knew I would probably get sick of it pretty quick. Uh, so my gut feeling was just to wait. And then pandemic, a friend of mine who ran a theater out here asked me to start doing virtual shows. They were doing like a stream. So I was doing an hour long show called Gerlic Tonight for them, which was just ridiculous. It was just me, you know, having dumb segments. Um, and then eventually he was like, you know, I really need someone to, I've been doing this for so many years here and I just need help. And uh, so he pitched the idea of me and my husband moving here and, and me being the training center director and um, helping him with artistic choices and such. And then um, there was kind of this, well, it happened everywhere. I shouldn't say it just happened in Denver, but like in around June, you know, there was a lot of marching and, and, you know, Black Lives Matter and everything kind of started coming to the surface for all the theaters. So every theater was getting called out for this, that, and the other thing. Um, all the theaters in Denver got called out for what, you know, something. And um, it became more urgent for me to get out here. So we, we really like revamped everything. He basically, once he saw what I could do, he was like, go ahead. So it was, I got to rewrite the entire curriculum, which was an absolute dream because I had two months to do nothing in LA while my husband moved here because he got a promotion out of his work and uh, they hired him to be the general manager out here. So he packed up our cat and moved out here about a month and a half before I got here. So I had all kinds of free time to really get into what a curriculum, what my curriculum would look like and pulling from UCB, from Armando, from, you know, stuff that I was uh, doing in my independent classes to things I developed at Westside. So um, that was great. And then, yeah, basically I became an owner here because I had worked so much and had done so much. They were like, you should be an owner. So I'm one third owner and the other two guys pretty much let me do whatever I want. We've revamped the entire theater. Um, it's much more girly now, <laughs> which I'm not a girly person, but uh, I just wanted to have like a, I wanted to have a, like a meow house kind of vibe. Like I uh -huh, always, uh -huh. always loved theaters that were plain, but also I loved experience experiences. And so I, I taught at so many different improv festivals all over the, the country. So I kind of, piecemealed and I was at UCB from the very beginnings of the first theater all the way until you know I did uh, luckily I think I didn't get to see the 42nd street theater when they moved into the massive building but everything else I was there for um and I just want to have every single room be like a fun experience like one of my bathrooms uh in the front just to give you a quick example is I took my old big second city book because I'm just I'm on this kick of like why do I have books why do we have books you know um but anyways I I made these 3d flowers out of all the pages from the second city book and I pasted them to the ceiling of the bathroom and I have just <laughs> fake grass on all the walls <laughs> I love it I love it yeah so that's where I'm at. And we're, um, it's been, I've been here for almost a year. I moved here in September. Um, my husband and I 
produce all the sketch. So we have a sketch team and we produced um, safe, safely filmed during COVID time sketches uh, and have these like 18 to 20 minute episodes on YouTube, um, which is great because he was a producer in LA as well. So uh, well, you have to share the YouTube link with me and I'm going to put it with our podcast when I publish it, but I'd like to get that link. That'd be great. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so it's been a lot of fun. We're going to open up. We've been doing outside shows, which has been really cool in Denver. Obviously, like we're in the back, these back parking lots with all this cool graffiti on the walls and like the sunsets on our last set. And it's just yeah, it's just great. And um, oh, that is totally awesome. Although that word is overused, but that's fantastic. I can just visualize it. So, so cool. great. Yeah. And, um, yeah, we did. So we're going to have we were going to do one last one this Friday, but uh, there's an issue with the parking lot that we were using. So we're just going to, we're just busting our butts right now to get the theater ready. And we're going to do like a very soft opening, um, just that one show next Friday. And then the following weekend, we get into the regular. We have our grand opening on the weekend, and then we get back to our regular schedule. But still only Thursday, Friday, Saturday, which I, that's my favorite thing about Denver. So they're like, we're not a seven-day-a-week comedy club. <laughs> uh, and then as we and more demand happens, then we'll open it up to Wednesday and maybe Sunday. But um, no big plans to I – mean, we've got – five-year lease we're not we're not going anywhere you know we're not going to expand we're not gonna we have a nice classroom we built out and we've got a nice space and we're on broadway south broadway it's like kind of a nice way to go roll into my uh late 40s you know just have like a nice little tiny theater with a a tight community that likes each other and we just want to be welcoming and bring people in and and we're gonna go to um a couple we're going to elementary schools and stuff like that and we're going to hopefully get to be a part of their after school programs but we're in talks right now with a couple of schools which will be cool because that that's the only way to you know i'm going full circle i'm going back to teaching kids again um that's the only way to bring diversity into your theater is by showing a group of kids that there's this art form that's possible i didn't know about it i didn't know about long-form comedy for the longest time, you know, it's like, uh, until I was 25, I didn't do it. So it's like very odd to me that uh, I wasn't exposed to it. So I, I, cause I do have this kind of like bizarre imagination and always have. And I feel like if I fostered that earlier, maybe if I did move to Chicago earlier, uh, that would have been a good time, but everything happens for a reason, right? Absolutely. So, so um, uh, oh, I wanted to ask you about your working with kids. We talked about that a little bit before the show. Talk a little bit about your work with kids because it's very inspiring. And um, what exactly was your title? What did you do? So I um, first I ran, I was just like a, a teacher at an after school in um, the Bronx. And then I applied to be a, um, to run an after school program at a private elementary school uh, called the Trevor Day School. So I was their after school pro programmer and ran that program for a year and then left that uh, 
for reasons that had nothing to do with me, but you know, it's anyone listening to this that knows Trevor Day School knows what I'm talking about. Um, but then I went to PS 87, which is New York's public school system, unbelievable. And I just happened to get a four day, a five day a week job at one of the coolest public schools in Manhattan. Uh, it's, uh, it was up in the, uh, uh, on the Upper West Side. Uh, a lot of famous people's kids also went there, but it was like, they went there because the arts program was so good. Um, and kids got shipped. The cool thing about that school was kids got shipped from all areas of Manhattan um, to come to our school. So it was super diverse. One of the most diverse public schools in Manhattan, um, all, socioeconomic levels, all races, cultures. Uh, it's fantastic. So I taught filmmaking to kindergartners. So we produced- Wow, wow. We produced 16 films a year. Kindergartners, you were teaching the whole technology and everything else? So what we would do is, um, this, the quickest way I can describe it is, that we would have production meetings up top. So the first couple of classes, it would be them pitching their film idea. And it could be as simple as like, I wanna make a movie about a girl that loves hearts. And I'd be like, okay. And uh, so they'd all pitch their own idea. So I would get a sense of how many people and cast they would need. Then um, they would start storyboarding their ideas. I would have individual meetings with some of the kids being like, you're pitching me Star Wars. Star Wars is a movie that exists. I know you're pitching me Star Wars. Let's try to do a different type of space movie uh, and try to kind of get them to a place where they could tell me in 30 seconds what their film was about. And then we would storyboard it. And then I could kind of get another idea of like how many cast members they would have. Then we would cast it. You know, I would ask kids if they kind of wanted to be, basically I opened it up to everybody. So it wasn't the kid's decision of like, I want my best friend in my film. You know, sometimes we would do that, but it was more like, well, you need three scientists and these two, these three kids really want to play a scientist. So they're going to be your scientists. Uh, and then we would just shoot. So we would shoot no money, no budget. We just had a camera and a public school. So, but we also had Central Park. We were right next to Central Park. So we shot, uh, so, I mean, I shot so many films, but like I shot, I got really into Lost. I kind of binge watched Lost. And one of the girls pitched me a movie that was very similar to the concept of Lost. So I talked to her mom and I was like, is it okay if I just do like a recap of the entire series of Lost with all these kids. And she was like, yeah, I don't care. Um, so that's what we did. We made a whole film where we started from the opening shot of, you know, kid in a business suit laying on the ground in Central Park opening his eyes. <laughs> yeah. We had a pregnant Australian girl, a five-year-old that was playing a pregnant Australian woman. Um, yeah, it was amazing. It was the funnest thing I've ever done. Uh, and I got to edit them all. And then we would have a showcase at the end of the semester. And it was the biggest thing, you know, all the parents got so excited. They all got DVDs of it, you know. Um, I still have parents to this day message me on Facebook being like, oh my God, we found their movie the other day. You know, and then they'll send me a picture of them and they're in high school or in college now, 
or they're in film school now, which is really cool. Wow, wonderful. So that is, I'm just thinking about all the wonderful locations in Central Park, the zoo, Alice in Wonderland, the, the, the park, huh? Castle, we shot at the Belvedere Castle, we shot a King Arthur movie. Oh, that is stunning. I love that so much. You know, I still miss New York. Do you ever miss New York at all? Yeah, I love the food in New York. I'm such a food head. Like, uh, I could be poor as a dog, but I still could get the best egg and cheese and bacon sandwich in New York, you know. Um, I do love the iconic kind of locations, too. Um I did live, I lived and worked, I lived on the east side of Central Park. I lived on 109th between 5th and Madison. So I walked through Central Park every day. Um, and then I, I worked on the west side right next to, in the 70s, uh, right next to Central Park. So I really, I, I just loved it. And I also, you know, later in life, we discovered uh, Randall's Island, which I don't know if you've ever went there, but that's, deep in the, you, so you basically go all the way up to the Bronx and then take a bus. And it, it takes maybe about 30 minutes from where I lived. I lived on 109th between 5th Madison, like I said. And it, once you got there, it was a peninsula that looked like a fisher a fisherman's town. And they just had crab and lobster. It, you felt like you were just at this random main. Wow. And you could, You'd sit outside on these decks of these restaurants and you'd look out and you couldn't even see Manhattan. It was wow. like the most amazing thing ever. Um, I, I lived there for a decade and I progressively moved down. I was at 63rd and 3rd and eventually ended up on Mercer Street. Yeah. But I, I lived there during the 70s and now I wish I knew about people like David Shepard and others back then. Yeah. Um, that sounds terrific. Now, I wanted to ask you something. Oh, yeah. You were taking all these drama and theater classes. Was there mention of improv during that at all? Yeah. So, and when I went to, probably the one reason why I loved Humboldt State University so much, my teacher, David, at the time, went to Chicago and took a workshop with Del Close and came back, you know, being like, I learned improv. We're going to learn improv. So it wasn't, it wasn't like a Del Close experience by any means, but it was. That might be a good thing, Amy. Well, yeah. I mean, but, but <laughs> I just mean it wasn't like that long form that you think of today. It was more of like, okay, actors, two of you get on stage. You're a doctor. You're a patient. There's some wacky going on, you know? So it was like, uh, that was my first real experience with just cool. like writing my own dialogue. Um, definitely a rush because you're like oh wow oh okay uh but yeah and then when I went to New York I was on a short form team through our theater department uh with Eugene Cordero and um other people but Eugene Cordero's uh, you know he's the person that everybody knows now he's on everything uh and uh so that was that was interesting different short form um but yeah that was my stepping stones getting into where i'm where i'm at now wow well i can tell we're going to have to have more than one interview because i want to get to know you some more but where in new hampshire were you from nashua new hampshire and then waterville valley okay because i lived in Ringe and peterborough and peterborough okay. was the 
Peterborough is where um, our town was made. And I was in one drama production. It was a theater of the absurd uh, version of uh, Medusa or Medea, Jason and the Argonauts. And I, I, I was brilliant, I thought, but then I didn't pursue it. And I love it when people pursue their dreams and just keep going and going. And you're just marvelous, Amy. This is so oh. great. Thank you. I'll have to come out and spend more time in Denver. This is more of an incentive. Yeah. Used to come out, right? Do some performing in Denver. So what projects do you have right now? And we're going to be posting links and everything to your site and any other new information you have. And sh and there's some great videos online. I was watching one. Was it called Thank You? Where somebody bought some FUD. Oh, thank you, Sketch. So that's my thank sketch team. Yeah, yes. that was great. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's my the sketch team I direct. Um, that's it. Basically, um, I'm I'm after this. I'm going straight. I live above my theater, so I'm going to go straight downstairs, and start probably gluing more flowers onto walls and stuff. Um, <laughs> I'm so in it. It's so amazing. I I am so thankful for this experience because you don't you go to these theaters to perform and you don't really think about who builds these communities and these, these places for you. You're just like, wow, cool. There's a space I can go into. It takes so much work uh, to run a business obviously, but also to run a theater because there's so many moving parts and there's so many people's personalities and emotions that you have to, care for so i'm really trying to make i'm trying to make a, a space that if someone who's never done improv before like i was if they walk in they're like this is unbelievable and they it feels like a home it feels like a hug it just you know uh feels cool so it's like that is my main concern right now i am doing the thank you sketch uh, we are still doing that. We're going to start transitioning into live, but we're always going to have film stuff. We are talking to a couple production companies to do something a little bit bigger with it. Um, I will pitch that we do have, um, we have Kevin McDonald from Kids in the Hall. He's going to be doing. A wow. Yeah, he's done workshops with us before in person, but he's just, they're just wrapping up their new season of Kids in the Hall, because I don't know if you know, but they came back and they started filming. Wow, uh, wonderful. Yeah, it's cool. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, yeah, that'll be in August. So that's what I'll pitch. If you want to take a, a sketch workshop with Kevin McDonald in August, you would just go to our site, chaosbloom.com. We don't have the, we have it up there, but we don't have the dates yet because we're waiting on him to give us a good solid date. Um, yeah, I'm just opening. So if you're in Denver and you, even if you're an improviser who would like to perform, there's a, definitely a slot in our weekly run of shows. So if it lines up in the, you know, with everybody's schedule, I would love to have anyone who's just kind of bopping in town and you can reach out to me at amy at chaosbloom.com. And that's on our website too. So you can, you'll find that there. I love that. That's so incredibly inclusive and inviting and warm and just a good Western feel to it. You know what I mean? <laughs> I <laughs> Come on that. down, y'all. <laughs> we'll improvise together. That's right. Nobody will get killed. 
<laughs> Hope not. Anyway, yeah. Amy, thank you so much for doing this. I say we're going to have to talk to you again, and I'm going to have to spend more time in Denver next year. Absolutely. It's just yeah. wonderful to talk to you. Very inspiring. Thank you so much for having me. Okay, bye. <laughs>